Welcome to Against the Odds, part of the Extra Points Podcast Network. Cousin Sal coming to you live on a Tuesday morning. Spaghetti and meatballs behind the glass. Babyface Joel Salmon joining us as well as the Wizards of Wagering, the Gurus of Gambling, the Barons of Betting, the Overlords of the Odds, the Degenerate Trifecta, Harry, Brother Bry, Darren, the Parlay Kid. What is going on, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal. What's going on, buddy? We're going to be going over our... 2021 season-long do-over. So we put in a million props, and now we're just going to add, after week one, these are overreactions, and where do you put your money? We're putting our money where our mouth is with these overreactions. Yes, we're going to go over about 12 of those, me and the Degenerate Trifecta. Also, Kevin Mitchell calling in. Yes, the star of Once Upon a Time in Queens. It's a 30 for 30 documentary. It's on ESPN tonight and tomorrow. Look forward to that, but let's do it. Bring them in, the degenerate trifecta. What do you think, guys? We're going to start off here with our props. So here's what we'll do. We'll go through a bunch of these. So, for instance, Steelers plus 330 to win the division. Gutted it out against the Bills. Some may say they got lucky. Like eight guys blocked that punt. Um, Bills went on fourth and one. Couldn't get it in the fourth quarter. Went to uh, expand the lead. That defense looks good. You could say what you will about Big Ben. Maybe he didn't connect on some big passes early on. I like that defense. T.J. Watt in there, limited time, you know, had contract issues, stepping up basically Thursday. But if you can get him at plus 330, all of a sudden you have a team that was 11-0 last year and plus 330 to win the division at 1-0 and the Browns are already 0-1. I, you know, you got the, the division, you know, I get it. Bengals are better. Ravens are what they are. I like him at plus 330. Parley Kid, you're going the other way. You're saying there's value in the Browns being 0-1. Yeah, uh, plus 165 to win the division. I don't think the Browns hurt themselves yesterday at all. Uh, they had a punter drop a snap uh, late in the game, which was really the deciding factor for that team. Uh, other than that, uh, they were in. Uh, they looked in like they were in good shape beating the, the, uh, the Chiefs. Well, I think both you and Harry loved them going into that Chiefs game. Uh to we beat did. the Chiefs, mm-hmm. they almost pulled it off without Beckham. I think when he comes back, I think egos aside, he can really help this team because they need that one extra receiver, I believe. They have a tremendous running game with Chubb and Hunt. Their defense is very solid. I believe one of their safeties, I, I forget the guy's name, but because I was watching literally a million things at once mm-hmm. yesterday and looking at all these player props I have in. But I think their safety actually uh, got thrown out of the game for shoving a coach in the face, right? So Yeah, right. Th- there were things that happened that they couldn't, you know, that, that hurt them yesterday. But there's nothing that they did really, to me, that hurt them in terms of winning that division. I mean, I, I had them losing that game anyway yesterday. Right. I yeah. think they're still the most well-rounded team in that division. And I know his last pass wasn't great, and I believe what Romo was saying, he was trying to get it out of bounds, but when he got tripped up, the ball just never made it out. Baker's been real good. He was really efficient yesterday. He's very, very good, and they really designed plays for Baker. They get him out of the pocket. They get him moving. They're well coached, and and Chubb and Hunt are just so good, and that line is good. This is the best team in this division. Grab him now at plus 165. All right. I didn't love Baker. I don't know. I just think he that's just enough to win and just enough to always lose those games. So not his fault that the punt was blocked and, you know, that interception, it is what it is. How about Romo, Parley Kid, calling it like, I don't know if the Chiefs, the defense is going to have to step up and make a play. And sure enough, very next play was a big fumble recovery. And that's uh, 
That's yep. how they ended up winning. All right. Um, Harry, Von Miller, most sacks. I don't know. You played your Giants. Rated 32nd yeah. worst offense in the offensive line in the league. And, you know, Von Miller flexes muscles. And then, you, But you like him for most sacks. He looked fast. Uh, he's, he's a force at 32. He didn't play all of last year, if you guys remember. He, he did have two against right. the Giants. And I know Chandler had five uh, for the Cardinals. So uh, he's the favorite right now. But still... Look, remember, he, like I said, he didn't play in 2020, and from since 2014 until 2020, Von Miller, solid linebacker, either been in the Pro Bowl or in the Super Bowl. So at 14 to one, you can get him from most regular season sacks. I know Watt had two, uh, Donald had one, but still, at he had two against the Giants, yeah. And at 14 to one, I think there's value there. Okay, all right. I'm not going to kill you for 14 to one, but they did play a middle school offense right there yesterday. But mm. there you go. Our Von Miller, 14 to one. You look fast though at 30. Uh, 30 Brother Bry, you're taking the safer route with a guy who did have five sacks, Chandler Jones, another yeah, guy yeah. who was out last year, right? And just uh, seems like a, a man on a mission. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going out on a limb, but you get Jones here plus 550, uh, and I'm actually shocked that you could get him still plus 550. I thought you were going to wake up and and see that line. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like plus two fifty already. Uh, I know he's 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 out ahead by three sacks. There's a couple of guys with two, um, but I, yeah, I know he was mostly hurt all of last season. But in three seasons prior to last year, he had forty nine sacks. He finished mm. first, he finished second, and he was top ten in in the other season. So now that he has JJ Watt too, it's just going to make things easier for him. Uh, plus, you know, when you think about this division, for as good as the division is, you're going to get games against the Seahawks who give up a ton of sacks. I mean, it's just, it's a great start. I mean, he really only needs like, you know, next 16 games, if he could stay healthy, he needs like, you know, maybe 13 more to, yeah. to win this thing. Right. Five just five last year. 550 is just weird. It's just a weird number. Yeah, he only played in five last year. I mean, he wasn't All good right. last year, so. All right, let's move. Harry, you have the Chargers to make the playoffs. Again, I was not, um, I, I still have them to make the playoffs. I have six teams. I have that thing with Simmons. Fandle made it 14, 15 to one. That six Teams from the West, obviously AFC, NFC combined, make the playoffs. Um, unbelievable start for the AFC West, winning seven yeah. games on Sunday. And you like the Chargers to make the playoffs. They were the least impressive to me out of those West teams. But what, what's the number right now? Uh, minus 120. Um, look, uh, everyone loves Staley as a head coach. And I, I think Herbert showed tremendous poise yesterday, getting the game-winning touchdown. Uh, they finally won a game late, which the bugaboo is losing games late. Darren, I think you mentioned a couple weeks ago, you'd love, you'd lo- you liked the Charger team, didn't love them because you'd love to see a lot more production out of Mike Williams. Well, he had eight, t- eight catches yesterday for 81 yards, yep. got the game-winning touchdown. The defense was solid. Bosa and James did a great job. And I know Fitzpatrick got hurt, but they held Washington just 135 yards total passing. Chargers to make the playoffs minus 120, plus with the Colts looking pretty crappy, that's a borderline team. Titans as well, not good either. So Chargers at minus 120 makes sense. Maybe. I kind of think if Fitzpatrick played that whole game, they lose. But um, they, they get lucky finally after getting unlucky for so, so long. Um, Parley Kid, you must like them too because you like Herbert. What is this, for passing yards? Yeah, Herbert, most passing yards, Sal. I This guy just continues to put up big-time numbers at 12-1 to 1 to end the year with most passing yards. I kind of like this. You know why, Sal? Because when I'm watching that game yesterday with the Chargers, I, I'm again, I'm not really – there's multiple screens going on, and I'm thinking Herbert's not really having a great game here, right? Like 
his numbers can't be that great. But at the end of the game, 337 yards. I, I didn't even think he had one of his better games, and he's still dropping 340. Yeah. So I, mean, I think this guy's going to approach 5,000 yards at, at this uh, rate this year. And he's, I, I think, at 12 to 1, it's a good time to grab him now. They like to throw the ball. They have weapons, especially if Mike Williams steps up. Then I don't even think Eckler caught a ball out of the backfield yesterday. He's still a weapon right. they can use there, too. So I think it's good value. Herbert just, you know, he threw for almost 4,400 yards last year in his rookie season. He must, just might be taking that next step. Uh, and I think he's going to approach five, and he'll have a chance at this most yards thing. I jumped on this. Of course, one of my favorite props was uh, Matt Ryan to have most passing yards. And um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe I don't know if he Yeah, I jumped over, on what you think. Over 500 this year. I don't know what the hell happened. Kyle Pitts had – I bid more money on him than he had yards receiving in a draft, uh, in an auction draft. But, Brother Brian, like you, I woke up the next day. You, you had uh, Chandler Jones. My God, the record said, you know, five sacks, whatever. I, I after Dak's game, I was like, wow, six to one for most passing yards. So I'm off of uh, I'm off of Matty Ice and I'm on Dak for six to one. We saw what he did against that Tampa defense, which is no slouch. So all right, Herbert, not bad either, twelve to one. Um, what do we like, Parlay Kid? You have oh Cooper receiving yards. I like Cooper most receiving yards, Sal. At uh, I believe twelve to one. I don't think that's yeah. changed. What did week one for Cooper? I don't know if the Cowboys I, – again, kind of like Barkley with the Giants. I mean, is Zeke – Zeke looks good, but is he just not good? Or I don't know. Th- were the Cowboys just w- – were attacking the weakness of the Bucks and throwing a ton? I think we're going to see somewhere in between. I think the Cowboys' strength is throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper was phenomenal. I've been hard on Cooper over the years. I He looked unstoppable the other night. His route running we know is excellent. If he comes to play hard every game, he'll be in the conversation for this. If if you like Dak for most passing yards, which I already have, by the way, I yeah. have Dak for most passing yards, that Cooper, one of these receivers are going to be in the top, right? They're going to be in the top five, top ten. I know they got they spread it around a lot, but now that Gallup's hurt, maybe a little bit more Cooper even still. So yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's a good time right now. It's good. And you can't really, with Lamb and the other weapons, you can't really – Say we're going to double Cooper, right? We're going to roll somebody over to Cooper. He can't do it. I think he's got a shot at twelve to one. Let's do it. Let's go, Amari. I'm on. I'm on your bandwagon right now. All right, and Brian, you jumped on Dak. I should mention this earlier at five to one. I think I got him six to one Friday morning. Now uh, Tuesday morning, you have him at five to one. But yeah, Cooper. Do you remember many uh, games like that for the Raiders? I mean, that that might have been his very best game. I mean, he always had some good – I mean, his biggest problem was just, you know, he'd have a couple of big drops a game. I mean, he always had – you know, he had one or two huge games a season. Yeah, it was just the drops, and it's – again, it's probably a good thing for a receiver to really show no emotion, but I think that was one of the things with, with yeah. Mari. Sometimes you don't really even know he's out there, even though he's putting up really good numbers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but you like Dak? Uh, you yeah, five to one. I like Dak at five to one. Look, this is a guy who finished second in twenty nineteen, right? I think behind Winston, he had forty nine hundred yards last year. He had fourteen hundred yards in a three game stretch, right before he got injured. Uh, yeah. This offense really is legitimate. Weapons all over the field, and and the biggest thing is, I mean, we saw this Thursday night against Tampa. Is the Cowboys' defense is just not really good again. They're going to give up big plays. Plenty oh, of points. true. 
plenty uh, of points. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. That you, it, they're going to force this Cowboys offense to have to score a ton of points every week. I think you could be seeing shootouts every week, and there's no reason if Dak is healthy that he's not going to have 5,000 yards. Low, you know, he could break a record yep. this year. Who knows? All right. Well, all right. That said, let's talk about wide-open offenses. Jameis Winston. Now, I don't think he's going to throw for five touchdowns a game. I don't think he ends up with 85. I really don't. Deep down, I don't think he gets that. Out. <laughs> no. Plus 950 to have the most touchdown passes. Maybe that is it. Maybe we see the 2019 Jameis where there was 5,000 yards available and a lot of them come via touchdown. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, I think plus 950. Uh, maybe I'm overreacting. That's what this is all about. How much are we overreacting to week one? Well, if I can get to almost 10 to 1 odds on Jameis Winston after now we know what Sean Payton is going to do with him, and that was against the Packers, again, Nothing to sneeze at defense-wise. Um, yeah. I like that. Plus 950. Brother Brian, I'm going to shoot back to you here. McCaffrey, receptions. Yeah, I mean, I looked at, you know, I was looking at receptions, and I, I kept scrolling down the list, and I was like, where the hell is McCaffrey? And then I saw him at plus 3,800. I, I know it's hard. Look, it's hard for a running back to win this. Uh, but he, you know, we were texting back and forth during the game yesterday because we obviously had our eyes on that jet game. But he did really look impressive. Uh-huh. Uh, yesterday, you know, he called all nine passes his way. He's going to be Darnold's security blanket all year long. Um, so the thing is, in 2019, finished second, albeit I, he lost a lot, I think, to, to Michael Thomas, but he had 116 receptions. In 2018, he finished eighth with 107 uh, receptions. He's going to have 125 to 130. He's going to be in the conversation. He, you know, he's going to be top. You know, I think top five or seven, and I just like that you could get plus 3,800 there. I know, again, I know it's hard for a running back, but I just like those odds. Harry, I know you don't like that because they have to come from uh, Sammy D, <laughs> who you'll be dressing like um, almost nude at a mall. Uh, One right. of your videos coming up because you had the big loss. But all right, Stafford MVP, not bad. Yeah, he's at eight to one. He looked electric, uh, had his best career best passer rating at 156.1. In the win against the Bears, 20-26, three touchdowns, zero picks, uh, versus what is supposed to be a pretty good uh, defense in Chicago. I said Van Jefferson's going to be an integral part of this offense a couple pods. Again, he was great, had that bomb touchdown. And uh, he's got Cup and Woods last year. They were first and third in the NFL in yak yards. He's, McVay's very happy. And when you talk about the MVP, Rodgers, Matt Ryan we just discussed, and Josh Allen all took big hits. So Stafford at 8-1 to one with a Rams team that just seems to be loaded. It's pretty good. I think they said, like, a good day is 8-yard. What is it? 8 air yards for a quarterback? He had 12. I mean, he mm. just per per, per And it seemed too, so easy. So yeah, easy. These guys are getting wide open. And I think that turf helps. Mm. Really Hig- Higby well, was great, too. Boy. Looks yep, like a Higby. nice place to play football there, boy. That Doesn't looks, it? Oh, can't yeah. wait to Listen, go there. We're going for the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Please Sal, keep that going. Awesome. So I got to be honest with you, though, Sal. I get on Harry all the time, yeah. and, you know, everything Harry touches turns to crap. But right. I still can't – I know it's week one, and maybe I'll have to eat uh, some crow here. But that Atlanta pick was the worst pick you've ever made, I think. I for still me? think that was the – that <laughs> Atlanta yeah. winning that division. Yeah, what, I know. It's, Sal, it's terrible. It's absolutely well, that, terrible. I can't. I still can't believe you did that. Darren, like, Darren coming up. I, Darren I can't coming off believe the. It. You're, 
Darren, that's not you're, what this is all about. Foremost, to go after, the to go foremost authority Harry. on gambling here, Sal. <laughs> hey, the, 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 and that Atlanta pick, I knew from the start. Now, look, again, I could maybe that's week one, but not a, not a, not a, not according to Furman, but that was. I, I, know, I still really can't bad. believe that. I'm going to be off by maybe nine yeah. wins. I can't. I can't get over <laughs> it. I don't know. Darren why coming off the uh, after the Falcons from last year with a crap. Well, we like I over. said, they always screw us. They, I, they said that. We, Harry, didn't you go? Oh, over I went over. I went. Harry over. went over, but that's I, I, you know what? That's what it was. Harry went over yeah. on it, Sal. And I went have, over on Ryan. That's it. He wrote, the over meant it was over for me. Um, yeah. I'm gonna have the last laugh when they upset the Bucks this week. <laughs> you might, you might. Freaking eleven point underdog, but uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, it's always Atlanta and Denver. Those are my two teams. And I was like, you know what? I'm breaking up with Denver because I can't have both. <laughs> right. That's terrible. Mm. It's unhealthy. And of course, now Denver's gonna win twelve games. I got the wrong team. <laughs> what that Arthur Smith? Like, what an embarrassment! They had six points against the Eagles defense. Mm. So I was like, players in the secondary, but they're not supposed to have that good a uh, defense. Amazing. One game, one game. There you go. Uh, hey, FanDuel, though. Yeah, just bet against me on FanDuel. NFL's back. FanDuel wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every week. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay bet with three legs or more. And if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel pays you back up to $10. There you go. Want to build with the Ravens Chiefs? You can go Ravens money line. You can go Lamar over rushing yards or under the total points in the fourth quarter. Just put it all together. Make a nice little, um, what do they call those, Harry? Souffles? No. Well, like quiche? I don't know what uh, that is. What yeah, do they call know. that, baby face? I think it's, uh, yeah, that's what, a souffle. A no, no, it's, uh, it's a casserole. That's it, yeah. There we go. What? How did we not get this food question right? Fast payouts, <laughs> easy to use, safe and secure. America's number one sports book. Same game, parlay bets. There's no feeling like nailing one of those. If you're new... If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, they're also offering a risk-free $1,000 bet. If you prefer that, just sign up with promo code against the lots. And if your first bet loses, you get up to a grand back in site credit. Promo code against all odds. Yes, in Arizona, 21 or older, present in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Yes, your first online real Money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. That's in Colorado, Iowa, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. Dial 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. In Michigan, and the TN red line, 1-800-889-9789. Visit www.1800gambler.net. Yes, fanduel.com slash against all odds. All right, is he here? Let's bring him on. All right, very excited about our guest today. You'll see him alongside the rest of his 86 Mets teammates in the new ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Once Upon a Time in Queens, co-executive produced by me and my cousin Jimmy, premieres on ESPN tonight. 8 p.m. Eastern, followed by the second part Wednesday night. World Series champ, former NL MVP, and one badass dude, Kevin Mitchell. What's happening, Kevin? What's going on, gentlemen? How you guys been, man? Everything's great. I have to say I grew up loving the team. I grew up in Long Island. I was a big Mets fan, uh, 15 years old, when you guys 
took home the title, and and then 35 years later, I'm eating sliders with you, taking pictures with Jimmy Kimmel right there at the premiere. What what a, what a night it was on the rooftop oh, in LA, red carpet. Did you enjoy it? Man, it was beautiful, man. I tell you what, I, I, I've never been to nothing like that in my life, man. It was just a beautiful thing. And I tell you what, meeting Jimmy Kimball yeah. is uh, first class, man. I tell you what, I was sitting, I was standing right next to the icon, you know. So uh, him and Kevin Foster, man, they were just enjoying because I watch him on TV a lot. Yeah, I know. it. Well, we watched you a lot. And that, I mean, I, so we watched, I, I don't think you saw episodes three and four yet did you you just saw the one and two right yes that's all i i just saw that one man and i i, I sat there for the whole thing and i i really enjoyed it man i tell you it was a it was a pleasure it kept me wide awake man it was just something that you know you haven't seen that like that you know since i played on that team and they're just watching it on a, on on a projector mm-hmm. was just unbelievable i mean even he had me laughing <laughs> there were some funny parts right like I, well first of all lenny dykstra is a friend of mine oh. and a lunatic but he uh I, I, go ahead <laughs> what were your I, I talk to nails all the time man uh, you know I, I i know how he is there's sometimes i hang up in his face because i can't understand <laughs> what he's saying right, you know right. <laughs> but he calls me at least once a week man you know uh, and, and him and doc man, they, I, as long as i can hear their voice i know they're all right that's great. So, who would you say is the biggest character? I used to give a, an award out for character of the year amongst my friends. Who would you say is the biggest character on that team? Uh, that, that, that pitching crew that we had, man, yeah. they, all of them really was big characters. They, they kept everybody loose on that team, man. Roger McDowell, you yeah. know, uh, uh, Ojeda, uh, Ron Darling, Doc, all of them. They just kept everybody loose, you know. It's just a few guys that really hung out with each other off the field, you know, and, and, and I still consider those guys as my brother and my family. So, you know, what's funny, and this is a highlighted in the documentary. There's a lot of talk about the airplane, the team plane and how it was laid out and where everyone sat. And I'll, I'll tell you how it went. Um, the way it was is do you tell me if I'm if I'm saying anything wrong? The front office guys and the coaches were in first class in those first few rows. Then you had like the Gary Carter types and the guys who were like quiet in the next few rows. And then towards the back, it was the party, partiers, the gamblers, and whatever else the hell was going on. I don't think, from what I understand, you weren't in the way, way back, were you? Yes, I was. I had to earn my way. I had to earn my way back there. You know, I was, I was just a rookie, right. you know, but uh, they didn't treat me like a rookie, man. I mean, I, I, they did a lot of things to me, but, you know, uh, it was all fun, though. But, uh, uh, I earned my way back there in the back. And, uh, you know, I, um, as a young kid, you know, I've seen a lot of things happen, man. That that fight on that plane that day was yeah. just uh, – it was just a, a, a hot mess. Dan's talk hot about mess. that flight. I don't know if anything rivals it in sports uh, aviation history, but there's talk about like the door was maybe a lot off its hinge by the time – I know you did like $75,000 worth of damage or something on that flight back from Houston. Yeah, I know I couldn't afford it then. So. <laughs> but you know what? You know what makes it so good, man, that you can, uh, you know, decades later, you can sit here and talk about it yeah. and it's and, and it's fun. But, you know, me as a rookie, seeing all that food all up against the walls <laughs> and uh, seats tore up and 
it, you know, it kind of made me nervous as a rookie, you know, because I ain't got no money to be spending like that on right. for no airplane. Right, right, right. So, you know, who did at that point? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You, know, you talk about as a rookie, and one of the things that struck me, you, this was funny, and yet must have been terrifying for you. We talked about the very important game six, of course, and there were two out, and you guys had three runs down to the Red Sox. And um, you are asked to pinch hit. And I think you were in the clubhouse, right? The, the story, as the story goes, Buddy Harrelson comes screaming down the dugout to pull you out. And you thought, I don't, I don't know if prank is the right word, but you felt, felt like, oh, my God, I'm the rookie being set up here to fail in front of millions, right? Oh, of course. You know, I, and I've never been a failure. You know, I, you know I'm either going to be a hero or a zero. So, you know, um, I, I just told myself I wasn't going to make the last out, which I was in the clubhouse. But all these rumors saying I was making my flight to go home, but that was wrong. You know, I, that's all. The, uh, you know, everybody need a gimmick, you know, yeah. back then. But, you know, I'm older now. It's, it's, it's willing to tell the truth. No, listen, I mean, as you, a rookie, weren't, you weren't the only one in the clubhouse, too. I mean, Keith Hernandez no, I wasn't. Is, is, I wasn't. the captain. Like, kind of, I don't want to say he gave yeah. up, but he says he regrets it for going in there. But then once you guys are in there, I, I guess the word was nobody move. <laughs> we got, you know, wherever you are. Things are going good. <laughs> Let's stay where we are, except if you get called out to pinch hit the last second. I think Mookie came and got me. Oh, did he? You really? know, told me I was pinch hitting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in that situation, you know, and, and, and that year I was playing, I was mainly playing against left-handed pitching. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I never thought I would be able to, I was going to pinch hit against a right-handed pitcher in that situation mm -hmm. in a big game like that, you know, so. But Frank Howard always told me to be be prepared for anything, you know, and uh, and and it what it wasn't no fear there. It was just a matter of just you know I wasn't gonna make the last out and be and be the uh, goat, uh, you know, especially in New York, New York City. It, it can be hard on you sometimes as a young kid. Yeah. But you know, I grew up in a hard area anyway, so it didn't make no matter what what it was gonna be. You either do it or you don't. Right. Absolutely. Oh. You talk about no fear. This team had no fear. And by the way, if you have coaches like Frank Howard, who was a monstrous figure, when you get into oh, the man. brawls Frank on the field, I mean, you, you guys won all four brawls you had that year. Yeah, he used to scare me all the time. But Frank, <laughs> man, he was an amazing man. Man, he's still amazing, bro. And I'll tell you what, he taught me a lot about, you know, he'd take me from the infield mm -hmm. to the outfield, hit fungos. He could make that ball do anything with that fungal bat. Yeah. That's a thing. The fungal bat isn't a big deal as much anymore, right? Yeah, they still use it. They you know, they still use it. A lot of coaches use it on the field. A lot of coaches do. Yeah, the, the K-1000s. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, and like I said, that was, that was your rookie year. You go in there, you see the clubhouse, you see <laughs> Carter, you see Hernandez, you see Foster, Doc, Strawberry. What was, what was your first impression? Did you think, like, I can fit in with these guys? or Like, uh, I got to prove myself? What were you thinking? Oh, you know, I, I got to give credit to Bill Robinson. You know, he really taught me a lot about, you know, being patient. I was the guy type of kid that, you know, I'm here. I want to play, you know, and I've always, you know, put that always spoke about that. You know, what am I here for if I'm not going to play? You know, yeah. so uh, they found positions for me to play. They made me play every position on the field. Right. That's why they nicknamed me World. So, uh you really did. But, you played every single position. It was crazy. Yeah, every yes, 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 and never did it before in my life. Yeah, I want to go uh, back uh, to the Astros series real quick because you had Mike Scott. Now you didn't have an at bat against him in that series, and he no. games one and four. But he was obviously, and you see this in the documentary, he was scuffing the ball. Right, he was a great pitcher, but he had some kind of advantage when he was scuffing the ball, and they showed the ball. 
and uh, I forget who the home plate umpire. Joe West is the only umpire alive on that crew who could attest to this. But they showed, you know, some of Mike Scott's balls were ended up in your dugout, and you guys are looking at them like. And to a man, everyone said, if we had gone Game Seven, we would have lost. We could, we just could not hit him and what he was doing to the ball. I theorize that you were such a bunch of. Um, lunatics that I could see like Lenny Dykstra if there was a game seven charging the mound I'll have to ask him for this and just taking out his kneecaps because like here's a guy who's cheating and getting away with it if we take him out of the game with did that go through anyone's head like how do we get him out of this game without hitting him well uh I tell you what I don't think Lenny would have rushed him out but I, th- I probably think Wally Backman probably would have rushed him out he was pissed no yeah yeah Wally was a little yeah you know he's he's a little off the wall too he can't be you know but I'll tell you what those two guys Lenny Dystrom and, and Wally Backman for the, that pitching that pitching squad with the Astros they pretty much did a lot of damage to those guys because they wasn't over swinging Right. You know, guys like Strawberry Carter, Ray Knight and them, the, you know, the, he got those guys out a lot. But the, the small guys, you know, they just put the ball in play. And that's what made them, you know, good hitters against those guys. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I have to ask you about the cat. Now, you, you touch on this in documentary. It's a crazy claim that the, the cat was decapitated at your hands. Mm-hmm. You're going to defend yourself here. Of course. You didn't do it, right? <laughs> the, the, you talking about the cat? Yeah, I'm talking about the cat. <laughs> it's not a true story, okay. man. Okay, I believe it's you. uh it's 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 a road up story. It's, it's how does it's, something you know, like that get started? Listen, 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 yeah. listen to this. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got everybody got a gimmick. You know, mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman wore dresses. That's a gimmick. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all it was all cool in the game back when you know when you was a young kid. It, it, it all it, you know it was all fun. Right. But when you start writing stuff in books and stuff that's not true and, and don't ask nobody about it, then I got to defend myself. I'm much, much older man, you know. And it, what, what, what's upsetting about that is a couple of years ago, Straw was on um, on a talk show with his wife, his new wife, right. and they brought it up. And I was sitting there watching it. And at right. the time, I was hurt. You know, I had a spinal cord injury. And I'm sitting there watching it. You know, he's doing a good interview. And the guy kind of come out of the blue and said, I want to ask you about your teammate. And he said, who? And he said, Kevin Mitchell. Did he cut the cat's head off? And he, Straw said, I'll verify that. Yes, he did. Oh, wow. Interesting. So I, call, I called Strawberry up that day. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, why you want to sit up here and lie on me in front of your new wife? And she don't even know me. And she put her hands up in her face. And why you want to sit up here and tell that story? And he said the guy caught him off guard. I said, man, you done done thousand oh, interviews, man. a million right. interviews, man. I said, we done been to the trenches together, brother. I said, man, you don't even have to sit up here and tell that story. You need to go back in there and, re- and recant that and tell this dude the real deal. Mm-hmm. If not, then I'm going to start blabbing my mouth about what y'all was doing in that clubhouse. Yeah, he wouldn't like that deal probably. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, exactly. you know. Because, exactly. you know, I don't I don't play like that, man. Come on, man. I love animals. I'm not a I'm not an animal. That that type of guy. You know, I've had animals my whole life. Expensive animals. Well, I would never put nothing to a. I mean, I, even animals in my neighborhood, man, I, I, I pretty much find out where their owners at and send them to, back to them. I believe, you know, you, Kevin, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you setting the record straight. You do it also in the documentary. Also, if you had told me the cat had it coming, I would have believed that, too. So whatever. Oh, no, I would yeah, well, we'll never do that. Would never do that. <laughs> never, 
And, and, and why would I want to grab a cat anyway? A cat probably tear my, my hands off me with them yeah, paws. Yeah, they're dangerous and ugly. By the way, Keith Hernandez pets his cat for a half, half, halfway through the documentary and for about three and a half hours he talks about I saw that. Yeah. I, saw, and I didn't know what was the whole thing about the cat. <laughs> what was the whole thing? Of, and I thought it was something comparing to me, you know, about oh, the cat. Interesting, interesting. You no, know, damn cats. It and, you know, close. me and Keith is close. Me and Keith is close. <laughs> I talk to him almost every other day, man. Nice. Me and Keith is real close. He has a cat. I think the cat has a Twitter account and everything. He's, he loves that cat. He talks about it. I was like, what is Keith doing with this cat? <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there watching that. So what is Keith? What's with this cat? <laughs> Kevin Mitchell, you're a delight. Thank you for coming on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. The documentary is Once Upon a Time in Queens. You did a terrific job. And spoiler alert, you get the last, the, I don't want to say the last laugh, the, the very last message, the overarching message delivered by Kevin Mitchell. And uh, Guys, terrific. I really appreciate y'all, man. Like I said, I had a great time, man. First class for it, uh, the other night, man. So, hey, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. There you go. The great Kevin Mitchell. Watch them Tuesday and Wednesday, Once Upon a Time in Queens, 30 for 30 ESPN, 8 p.m. for the Degenerate Trifecta, Kevin Mitchell, Spaghetti Meatballs, Babyface Joel Solomon. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping.